1: At LuckyLandSlots.com,
0: available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome into SEC football and beyond. I'm Neil McGrady. Chris Landry with me here as well. It is Tuesday, October the 20th. We almost made it through the month of October. We're almost, almost into the, uh, almost into November and December, Chris. We're, we're getting closer and closer the end of 2020 we're two weeks from election day we're approaching a calmer time perhaps maybe i don't know perhaps who knows we'll see nothing will surprise me in 2020 <laughs> it's impossible cannot be done i'm neil mccready that's chris lander chris how are you
1: i am doing well and yeah it's been uh it's been a few weeks now it's just been a such a weird you know i i my body clock goes towards the start of the season. When the start of the season's off, it's like, I'm not quite sure, you know, when it is, I really got to look at the calendar. It feels this time of year and it's the different time of year. So you're right. It's the years getting away from us. But, uh, I think most of us think let's get this year out of the way, but, you know, we've been a few weeks now, several weeks now. And what a reminder, uh, that, uh, for those of you that are listening to this podcast, watching us on YouTube. You can also catch us live on the Chris Landry football Twitch channel. And as a, um, as a subscriber, you're going to receive a commercial free experience and make sure that you, you cheer us, have fun, participate in the chat room. You can cheer us on some bits, which, you know, is real simple to do. Make sure that you're, uh, you're subscribed in. It's free. Um, and it's uh, it's really fun to, uh, to be able to speak, uh, with you and participate with you as the show is going live, so it kind of adds a you know a little spice to the podcast. And as we're talking about SEC football and beyond, each and every Tuesday and Thursday, we're we're here live as Neil uh, said. Every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 a.m. Central. So join us live, and if you can't, then
0: join us in the uh, normal platforms that you uh, catch us on. Just a slight correction. Usually, we're here on Tuesdays and Fridays. Every once, I'm more-
1: sorry. Tuesdays and Fridays. Yes, yeah. I should know when I'm actually doing uh, this show with uh, the, reason,
0: the Tuesdays reason and
1: happened- Fridays. Tuesdays, Tuesdays and Fridays.
0: The reason yeah. that happened is because this Thursday, yes, we're taping Thursday instead of Friday. So Thursday was on your mind because we were just talking about yes. it until we got started.
1: Tuesdays and Fridays, 9 a.m. Central. I got it now.
0: <laughs> 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 Too
1: much <laughs> filming. And- and not enough coffee here so i'm i'm going to i'm going to rectify that during the show man uh what a week of games some folks doing some good things some folks not so good you got the true good bad and ugly don't we
0: yeah you know that might even be a way to to do this moving forward i'll have to kind of think about it um uh, let's let's kind of get into some of the game well we'll do the first we'll do this we'll do an overview what from the weekend surprised you the most?
1: The complete collapse of Tennessee. The complete collapse of Tennessee. I mean, they, you know, Kentucky has forced turnovers and have done a really good job. But, boy, Tennessee took themselves out of any chance to even be in that game. And it was really bad. And it 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 kind of culminated And you know, look, this is, again, a team that was playing pretty well, got handed to them by Georgia, which is expected, at least in my view. But this was folks that were saying, hey, can can they make a run at Georgia? And, and then to get boat raced by Kentucky, which um, that's 26 years in a row. I mean, that's that's just uh, – they weren't in that game, Neil. They were not in it, and the no-show part of it was, was really the most alarming thing I saw or the most surprising thing I saw.
0: So a lot of credit goes to Mark Stoops, Mm -hmm. first of all. I think it speaks volumes to him as a coach. They they don't play well at Auburn to open the season. They lose an overtime game to Ole Miss where he was very frustrated with his team. And they come back, and they rally for now two straight wins and and look good doing it. So we're going to get into what's wrong with Tennessee, and that might take a little while. But before we do it, I do want to give some credit to Kentucky at 0 and 2 with people saying, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, that things are wrong, things are bad. They settled in and uh, they got it done. I thought defensively, that is a talented team. Might not be elite talent, I don't know, but they're they've got some size and speed in the back. They're they're big up front, they're hard to run on, and uh, they took it to Tennessee offensively and then offensively what Kentucky has done now a couple weeks in a row Mississippi State and now Tennessee is all right we're limited but we're not gonna beat ourselves we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna play smart and and they've done that and uh, some credit goes to that coaching staff Eddie grand and and uh, the people there at uh, at Kentucky for for getting it done the way that they've done the last couple weeks they and and they go to Missouri this week we'll talk about it a little later and in, in today and and obviously again on Thursday but um, you know, I, I think I think Kentucky is um, has a real chance to get to the halfway point at, at three and two and, and considering how it started, that's an accomplishment now, Tennessee. To me, this is the indictment on Jeremy Pruitt. It's very simple. This is your three, is that right, Chris? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is your three. You've recruited at this high level across the board. You've raised the talent level at Tennessee. No question. But that's your quarterback play. That's your quarterback play. That's your guy. They replaced him with another guy for a series. He threw a pick. They go right back to uh, JG. He's, He's not an SEC quarterback. He's not a winning SEC quarterback. And that's your quarterback. And to me... If I were a Tennessee fan, that would be my bone of contention is that you've had three years to get a quarterback, and that's your quarterback.
1: It is um, an issue that is definitely rearing itself more and more. And I do look at Tennessee, and I do look at Jeremy as kind of a mini Georgia in that Georgia is much more talented but Jeremy wants to build a team at the line of scrimmage, build a defense. They want a marginalized quarterback. I think they both want to win like they at once won at Alabama, but the thing that makes Nick Saban special is that he has the ability to evolve, and that offense right now at Bama is just completely transformed. And – Jeremy hadn't figured that out. And it is deep enough in there to where you ha- either have had to, at this point, get a better quarterback okay. or get your quarterback better.
0: Time out. And I, I, I got to stop you. I got to stop you because there's people out there that I know are thinking what I'm thinking. So you're the football expert. I'm the village idiot. But when you say hadn't figured that out, okay, well, that's one of two things, Chris. That's either a level of stubbornness that is unforgivable. Or it's stupidity. I mean it's one or the other.
1: No, it's stubbornness. It's it's a belief in what they're doing and trying to marginalize the quarterback position. And it's it's a part of a philosophy of not being able to develop the passing game well enough. And I'll throw at a, again at a higher level George in this because we'll get to them in a second, but Tennessee no. hasn't they don't have a sophisticated enough and a good enough passing game and it starts with the quarterback position, but you've got to do that. You've got to believe in it. You've got to embrace it, and then he's not done it. So what it does is while you can maybe fix some things in the run game and on defense, you have to be in today's game so perfect around that to where like Georgia is, where Georgia's going to win every other game that's not a you know an Alabama or a playoff caliber team. They're going to win most of the games doing it their way because they can out talent you. Tennessee can't do that, and this is where their shortcomings are. So, um, look, I'm not there at practice every day. I'm not, you know, but at this point, Jeremy has to. If the young quarterback's not ready, you've got to simplify things enough to where you work with him because at this point, you've got to begin to build towards something. And Jared Garantano is not something you're building towards. He's not going to be your quarterback. the He's been there long enough. So you've got to figure out what you have at quarterback. And Harrison Bailey's gotten a lot of reps and they, they, they practice, they scrimmage a lot on Sundays. And, you know, they did it last week and they've got to do that. Take the, they've got to get him on the field. And just like we'll talk about what Georgia on a different level needs to do as well. But that's the issue. That's the problem. Let me tell you what's the biggest problem I have with Tennessee right now are the most alarming thing. They've got some issues on the staff. Like what? And some culture issues. Well, they fired Jimmy Brumbaugh on Sunday. Yeah. Their defensive line. That wasn't I hear this. Well I right, that wasn't their problem. Folks, he didn't get fired because the defensive line play.
0: Okay, I mean, what did he get fired for?
1: He's he's a co defense coordinator and there's some vast philosophical differences is it football
0: or is it non-football? Sure, football.
1: Football, absolutely.
0: Chris, the reason I say that is that there's a there's a story that's brewing a little bit around the country. I don't know that anybody will ever touch it publicly. But there's there's some staffs that are out there. There's some programs that are out there where some of the things that are happening in society off the field, are bleeding into well, the
1: things. It, it may it, be. It may contribute it, to it.
0: Those are becoming issues inside these programs.
1: And I don't know that to be the case here. So I don't want to – what I can tell you is there's a a a vast philosophical – this is a guy that was hired in February. Yeah. And so this is – and there's stuff, and there's going to be talk. There are going to be players that talk. There are a lot of things. That is – what that tells me is, you know, you've got – not on the same page. Now, Jeremy's going to coach the defensive line now rest of the way. This this is an issue. And let's remind folks that Phil Fulmer decided along with his higher ups to extend Jeremy Pruitt. He's got a new contract. So that's not, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's not going anywhere regardless of what happens this year or next year. They've, they've, they've got to figure this out. But they're, they're, they're issues. I I think the fact that, and, and listen, I want to give Kentucky credit because Kentucky did not look. And I, I had a feeling and I had a philosophy going in that, all right, the first couple of weeks, they didn't look like Kentucky. They didn't have enough practices. Boy, they're starting to look like it now. Mm -hmm. They're starting to look like it. You grew up in the South as I did. I ever, the, 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 the great little Southern wives, and gentlemen that cook real well, that can take whatever you got in the refrigerator and make a good meal out of it. That's what Kentucky does, man. They develop and they scheme and they do a really good job. And they were, Tennessee was completely out coached, completely out organized. And that's, that's what's happened. So Tennessee's got some, they got bigger issues. In other words, the quarterback issues, a biggest problem, but it is, the issue and the philosophy and the organization and the lack of being on the same page—that's creating those situations. Always look at, well, this is the problem. If no, why is it? And you said, well, what's the problem? Why is it? That's you got to get to the root of the problem. You know, you got to get to the root of the problem. And I, I, I think say, Germany's got to figure it out.
0: When you say philosophy, on on, on that side of the ball, I don't well it, it, i'm it, not pressing you here i'm just kind of curious what is that what does that mean
1: well they, they don't they don't have a passing game that they have developed that is is functional enough to win at this level right when people can shut down your run this is not a great team
0: right so okay
1: this is- so this is this you know i mean so you can go ahead and recruit well and i'm going to remind people that Everybody talks about how great they're recruiting. That's a signing class that hadn't been signed yet. Evening visit, so let's let's hold off on. They got a top five class. We don't know what they got until they sign them. Yeah, but they are getting better. But this is not a dominant team, and they're not able to work the passing game consistent enough. And the quarterback's a problem with it. The receivers, the route concept, they've got a lot of issues with it. And until they Understand that they're going to have to develop that part of it. But Jeremy wants to be more risk averse, build slowly at the line of scrimmage defense. That's where that's and that's that's going to be a slower build. And you're going to have games like that, maybe not to the degree, but you're going to have games like that where you're out coached quite a bit along the way. And you may not ever make it in today's world.
0: Well, that's my thing, right? Is that people's. They talk about Pruitt being a Saban disciple. They talk about Smart being a disciple. That's fine. My thing is, is I don't know that, and maybe this is we're not giving Nick Saban enough credit for this. But Nick Saban is now in year seven, Chris, of a wide open offense. Year seven. Year seven. Not year one or year two. Seven years. And so when people are act like what Saban's doing is still new, no, it's not. He's been doing it for the better part of a decade. He he brought Lane Kiffin in. He replaced Lane Kiffin with Steve Sarkeesian, and they're they're continuing to do their thing. This is what they are. They're wide open on offense. They're balanced. But they they beat Georgia with big plays. They beat Ole Miss with big plays. They beat Ole Miss and, and Georgia in the past two weeks in the passing game. Mac Jones, if the media weren't lazy, and we are, if the media weren't lazy, Mac Jones would be a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate today. Not, not, not a candidate to get up there and 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 finish second, but a, a legitimate candidate to finish first. But we, but so that's my thing. When people go, "Oh, I tell you, man, Pruitt and Smart," and I'm starting to question their ability to get to that. Can they build good programs? Sure can they get to the point where you're a, a perennial national title contender? I don't know that you can if you're so stubborn about the quarterback position in today's modern football. Look at the Cowboys last night. Without without Dak Prescott, man, you see all the problems. On the flip side, when when you have good quarterback play, it camouflages a lot of problems. To me, the problem for Tennessee is their quarterback plays bad. I'm sure there's other things going on and there's things inside the building and all of that stuff, but if If they had Mac Jones at quarterback instead of Jared or or Trevor Lawrence at quarterback instead of JG, I, I think they would look completely different on the field.
1: Well, it is. It is talent, but it's also development. I mean, look at a guy like who I'm not really high on, Felipe Franks. He's continued to work yeah, and look at how functional he is. Not great, but look how functional he is because that's a byproduct of better coaching, better scheme. You've Got to Neil, you've got to be able to. It's it's a two pronged situation. Everybody says, well, what's more important? It's players? Well, it's it's players, but you've got to be able to utilize players and develop players. And it and at Tennessee, they don't have the quarterback position, but they also don't work and develop it well. Basically, what they try to do is they try to ask their quarterback to do something he's not really capable of doing. I mean, the first pick? Are you kidding me? On that, you don't want. I don't want Aaron Rodgers making that throw or Patrick Mahomes making that throw. Ideally, I sure as heck don't want Jaron Garantano. So to me, you've got to play around the quarterback better. And if that's the best you got, then you've got to do a better job of coaching that up. And then, I mean, look at Matt Corral, you follow that program. Yep. He's better. Why is he better? What well, they've done and I, not, not, not better this past week, but for the most part, he's been better. Why there's, there's progression and what you can do. Good coaching can do that. And they've not done that. And that's a problem. And that's a flaw. And one of the things, and let me just address this real quick, that the whole thing about, well, he worked under Bill Belichick. He worked under Nick Saban. Yes. You learn a lot. It doesn't mean that you're the same guy. Okay, because here's what happens. It's, it's not about the things that you learn. Okay, because you can take the things that you learn from Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, because I've been in, around them both. And you, you can do things and you can build it. But if you don't have the ability to adjust, football is a game of adjustments in terms of philosophy, in terms of ideas, in terms of thinking outside the box. The reason why a lot of those guys are not successful is because while they take things that they learn from that coach, what happens when people adjust to you? if you don't have the ability to think and adjust and are open-minded enough to do it, then you become stale because the game of football even within a game is constant evolving and adjusting and so that's the reason why and I listen I think Kirby and Jeremy are capable of doing it if they philosophically don't buy into it. You know that's Jeremy won't get in his best scenario if he has enough time. He won't get Tennessee where Georgia is, but he'll get it similar to Georgia and be kind of a poor man's version of Georgia. But there's going to be roadblocks because he's not going to be good enough to get over some of these games in in this case just completely get out coached and you make mistakes. Look, if they don't turn the football over, it's probably a closer game, more competitive game. They still probably lose it. But that is a case. And as we, I know we'll talk about Georgia's that's where Georgia is. If Georgia doesn't evolve in the passing game at some point this year in the future, they're going to become a really good program that could win most all of their games, but won't be able to get over the top over the hump unless the teams like Alabama come back to the pack
0: kind of like they were when Mark Rick was there.
1: Yeah. You see, I, I, I see this program is a lot better foundation. Mark Rick had to me did not have the foundation. They were not as consistent on defense. I I think Kirby's a better coach. I do too. But you know, I, I think the program, see, I think with Mark Rick, there was a lot of things going in there that I thought needed to be imploded. They were way too inconsistent. I think Georgia's very consistent. I just think they're not good enough and and are stubborn with their offense. I think that's fixable with Mark. With one week to the next, I don't know what the heck was going on there. So I okay. I feel a lot better about being able to go and say, boy, I I could you know would like to see. I think Georgia could do ABC and and get over that hump with Mark. I don't think it was going to happen. Personally, right, I love
0: Mark. So let's talk Alabama, Georgia. Alabama wins, uh, running away in the second half. Alabama, mm-hmm. a, a brilliant game of football, especially in the second half. Mac Jones was terrific. Waddle was terrific. Smith, Najee Harris, their offensive front. They they turned it up on defense. Really got to Georgia a little bit. Um, we'll start with the tide because they won the game. Kind of they spent the week with the Sabin distraction. It clearly didn't bother them. He was cleared on Saturday, all that stuff. I don't know that it would have, from looking at what I looked at, I'm not sure it would have mattered. They had a great plan offensively against Georgia. I didn't know that anybody could put up the, that kind of points, 41 points on on Georgia. I just didn't know that that was possible. They did it. Um, we talked about Jones a minute ago, that receiving core, that, that is a it's the best offense I've seen this year. I mean, I, I, Clemson might be the same thing. Clemson just hasn't played the kind of teams that, that Alabama has played yet. I mean, Alabama's played now Georgia and Texas A&M, so you've seen them play a couple of good teams, and and they can put points up on anybody. Um, just kind of your thoughts on, on on Alabama, and then as you turn the page, if these two teams play each other again in December in Atlanta, does Georgia have to have somebody other than Stetson Bennett, the fourth at quarterback, to be able to win that game?
1: I uh, take it in the the reverse order, um, yes. So for Georgia, they've got to get JT Daniels ready. They've got to improve it. because They can win the rest of their games on their schedule with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, but they're not going to be able to beat Alabama, unless something happens to Alabama and they come back to the pack, uh, I'm not so sure that that I like their chances if Florida gets an early lead uh, that, that that could be in peril with, with Stetson. So they've got to figure some things out, and they got to figure it out pretty quickly at quarterback. Alabama has shown no discernible weakness on offense. I mean, they are looking, um, dare I say, LSU-like last year. Uh In fact, there's some things that may be even better. They can run power. They can run outside zone. They can dump it off quick and make tremendous plays after the catch. They can go deep. And the most impressive thing, yeah, Mac Jones is accurate. The most impressive thing is how. He is so comfortable in the face of the blitz. Man, does he? He trusts their protection. The offensive line is great. There's no weakness on offense at this point. Um, the the thing that I said, you know, Friday was they want to get a lead, and it took them a little while. Once they got ahead, and you make Georgia play from behind, and this goes back to what we we're just kind of alluding to, make Georgia play from behind. They're playing left handed. Okay, they, they can't throw the football and run and run two minute and match points. They can't do that. And so while maybe people may have overreacted to Alabama's defense against Ole Miss because the tempo really killed them. Let's not get overly excited about, you know, they shut down Georgia in the second half, which they shut down Georgia in the second half completely. Well, that's because Georgia's one dimensional. When they're behind. And they got to throw. They're an average football team. They're a below average offense. If they can't run the pass game through the run game, run play action, they're in trouble. So they've got to figure that out. And that's how people will build, be, beat them. And that's we've seen against a Clemson. I think we haven't seen them play yet against an Ohio State and a familiar quarterback to them. They would really not fare well at all. So, George just gotta figure out, can they get that passing game not to the level of those three teams, but functional enough to balance out enough to where they can make people play for overpaying the run because they could not do that. I broke down the tape. Here's what I saw. Um, there were a lot of guys open. They did a pretty good job scheming guys open. Stetson Bennett, A had some passes batted down. B. On the in the checkerboard view of the game when I'm looking at the end zone view, of it, you could see probably had some vision issues with his height because yeah. he was late seeing it and he was late with the ball and the ball was often inaccurate. There were some plays to be made in the passing game. Quarterback couldn't make it. Receivers are not as good as Alabama, so there was some times where Devontae Smith came back and made Mac Jones look like a great quarterback. You know, and there were times that Mac Jones makes the receivers look I mean, it's a combination. They got the ability to work off one another just tremendously well. Georgia doesn't have that, and I don't know that they're going to get it to the point where they need it, but they need to get it better. So there were a lot of misplays there, and so they couldn't finish drives. They couldn't. They had they played well. They were in the game. For a half, they had the ability to potentially put pressure on Alabama further and further and couldn't quite finish it. They just offensively not Too many plays left on the field, and that is a problem. And I do think their only chance is JT Daniels, and I don't know where he is in terms of I know what I've seen of him at USC. He's got more ability. I don't know if they're able to get it figured out quick enough. That's on coaching. So we'll see what they can do. They're a good team, but they don't want any part of any of those teams in the national playoffs unless they come with it with a better passing attack in my mind.
0: Yeah, I thought you broke that one down pretty well. That's what I saw too. Um, Where do you want to go? Let's see. Uh, We've talked about Kentucky and Tennessee. We've talked about Alabama and Georgia, Texas A&M. 28, Mississippi State, 14. I think that game went about the way that both you and I sort of expected it would go. Uh, Mississippi State's not a bad defensive team, Chris. They're, they're, they're okay on defense, actually. They're, they're, they've got some talent there. You would know the level of talent better than me, but looking at them on, on, on the television, you can tell that they have talent there, that their defense is good enough to keep them in a game like the one Saturday where I think uh, otherwise they get run out of the building. Mm-hmm. you were right two weeks ago three weeks ago about a i was wrong i've already eaten that crow i've digested it uh, I, I don't need another plate um a good and uh they completely stopped mississippi state uh state got a, a pick six on a crazy tip ball play ball went off the helmet and But otherwise, otherwise they they shut Mississippi State down. And this is three weeks in a row now that the Mike Leach offense just does not work in this league.
1: Yeah, the defense, Mississippi State's defense, getting no help from the offense. None. None. Yeah. Um, Look, it was a touchdown late, or else it would have been the second week in a row that Mississippi State hadn't scored, uh, that Mike Leach team hadn't scored a touchdown that's never happened before ever and it would have been two weeks in a row so it kind of tells you where they are and, and 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 the difficulties and I thought am you know played well not great um, coming off a big win I thought they were lit. it weren't quite a sharp um but you know went on the road get better work at it yada 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 got a open by week and then, then play suddenly a team you don't want to play now. And that's Arkansas, which is yeah. a great story. So, um, you no know, Mississippi States is trying to figure things out and, um, you know, they, they've, got some real issues. This AM team's really good. And, um, you know, you look at it, um, you know, I don't, I, I, People always want to look ahead. I don't, but I'll play the game because that's what we do. You got Arkansas, which again, as well as they played, that's a game that a should win. At South Carolina, a game that they probably should win. Tennessee, we, we just kind of discussed game they probably should win. They'll be favorite. Ole Miss, listen, um, yes, that that's always tough to deal with a team that can be good on one side of the ball, but a game that they'll be favorite. LSU, we don't know where LSU is going to be. Then and you know how many games they've got they've got work to do in and at Auburn. I mean, so basically they I dare say will this doesn't mean anything, but it they'll probably be favorite in every game the rest of the year. So the people that are talking about, hey, can they end up with one loss? Yeah, it's possible. I still think that somebody will get them at some point, but we'll see. Uh playing well and um, you know. Uh, uh, getting better. I think you're starting to see the line play getting better. Look, I think, I think that program is more towards the future of what they're trying to do. And I think, now this is another case. I don't trust the quarterback. Jimbo manages him pretty well. And there are times where there are just a lot of plays that because of scheme, they really accentuate what he can do. He does a really good job with that. Mullen does a really good job with that. Jimbo does a really good job with that. I think Lane does a good job with that. Um, And, you know, Alabama does a good job with it, but with a whole lot more talent and all the pieces and all the the trimmings.
0: Yeah, I agree with what you just said. I think Fisher and Mond have sort of found some common ground. I think uh, Kellen looks like he's more comfortable in what he's being asked to do. And uh, it looks like Jimbo has has sort of peeled the onion back a little bit and gotten more to what he wants to use. Uh, he, he doesn't ask him to do things that he can't do as much. They, they, they look to be more simpatico right now. And they're good. They're a really good team. You just talked about the rest of their schedule. They would be favored in all of those games. I mean, they're the team, frankly, they're the interesting team with – Depending on how the rest of the, we'll talk about this more on Thursday as the season goes on, because it's 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 really premature right now. But the the seed has been planted to where Texas A and M, if they don't lose again, and Alabama beats Georgia, Texas A and M would be the second SEC team in a playoff if there were one.
1: Yeah, because they don't have to play Alabama again, and there's no Neil. There's no fourth team.
0: Right, and there's
1: no fourth team nationally.
0: Right. And A&M is the team. that Their only loss would have been at Alabama earlier in the season. So they they'd have a they'd have a little bit of an argument. So, you know, we'll see. There's a lot of a lot of football left to be played and, and they've got to get better to to pull that off and to to look good enough to be that team. But put that seed in the in the ground because they're they're interesting to look at. All right, you mentioned Arkansas. Arkansas wins what I think should be the third straight game for them. They they beat Mississippi State. They got robbed at Auburn. And they beat Ole Miss 33-21 Saturday in Fayetteville. Uh, a lot of the conversation here, certainly I'm in Oxford, is about what went wrong on the Ole Miss side of the football as it pertains to Matt Corral. Six interceptions. Uh, Ole Miss had two different possessions end at the one-yard line. mm uh, six picks, two intercept, two uh, two possessions end at the one, and they roughed a punter that stopped a prevented a defensive stop, and led to a ninety five yard drive for Arkansas. We'll get to Ole Miss in a minute. We've been kind of doing this first. We talk about the winners first, and then we get to the, the losers. You got to give Sam Pittman and his staff a ton of credit. This was a team that at the beginning of the year, not just slaps like me. But smart guys like you said, I don't know that I see an SEC win on their schedule. Yeah, There were a lot of people that looked at that team and said, I don't know that they can win a game. They had lost 20 straight SEC games when they went to Mississippi State and won. They should be three and one. Regardless, he's got them believing. He's got a, There's a buzz in Fayetteville for the first time in a long time about that program. Uh, they're beginning to see some results on the recruiting trail. He, uh, he's he got those kids ready to run through a wall for him, and he deserves a ton of – if you did SEC Coach of the Year today, and again, we got six weeks left, but if you did it today, Sam Pittman would win, and it would probably be close to unanimous. He has done a remarkable job in fable,
1: No doubt about it. Um, and I'm thrilled as can be because if there's anybody for uh, Sam Pittman being successful, it's me. I mean, he's a – a lifer, a, a, you know, um, great line coach, good recruiter. And yeah, boy, he's, you start winning and start creating a culture of fun place. They love you. You win. And listen, let's call it what it is. They love you when you win, you know, when you, of course. when you win and you're having fun, man, that's why you're winning and, and, and you lose and you're having fun while well, you're not serious enough. They're, they're, they're tough. Well, are tough, and they're
0: well-coached. He's got them playing the kind of football that that fan base wants them to play, if they're being honest. If Arkansas fans were being honest and you offered them two winning products and one is slinging the thing all over the field and the other is defense and, and run the ball and, 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 and that stuff, I think Arkansas people would say, yeah, I kind of like the defense, kind of like the running the ball. And to your point, you mentioned Felipe Franks earlier look I mean Felipe Franks is not going to play in the National Football League I don't think you you can feel free to correct me Um, he's limited I don't know how, how he's not a great runner he, he doesn't do a lot of things particularly well but he doesn't make a ton of mistakes now he made a couple against Ole Miss that had had Corral played a, a better football game had Ole Miss adjusted quicker he would have paid for those mistakes but I think we can say that about the majority of college quarterbacks but they're, they are running an offense that fits their talent. They're getting the most out of their talent. And then I think the guy whose stock is skyrocketing right now as a defensive coordinator, and I don't know what Barry Odom wants to do, but it's Barry Odom. I would think that if he decided to make himself a free agent at the end of the <laughs> the end of this year he's he's going to get some uh he's going to get oh
1: my goodness! you think you think he'd
0: have some suitors right now what a job he has done in the conference alone in the league alone yeah people that
1: want to spend some money
0: it's remarkable what he did this past week he's down a couple of linebackers uh he's, he's he's beat up up front they're not particularly big up front um and he, he takes no you uh, got to walk on safety or whatever he is gets three picks i mean they they are they're, they're a fun story they they're giving the league nightmares because i think that was a you know they were the beginning of derailing mississippi state uh, they have created issues at uh, at at auburn auburn people are not happy and, uh, it's funny in, in Fayetteville, that game is viewed as a win. And in Auburn, that game is viewed as a loss. And, uh, and now at Ole Miss, he has taken some of the air out of the Lane Kiffen bubble here in, in Oxford. And a lot of credit goes to, to Pittman and Odom and uh, Kendall Bryles and that whole Arkansas team. Really, they, they are the overachievers right now.
1: Well, they've simplified things. They play fast because they are not overcomplicating their schemes offensively or defensively, particularly defensively. They're playing fast, and playing fast doesn't mean speed, folks. It's playing fast. It's reacting, and you know, well, why don't everybody do that? Well, there's there's a limit. You know, you get figured out if if you oversimplify. But they're what they're doing is preventing people from getting the explosive plays on them as much as possible. And they're doing a really good job and, and make you go the length of the field and they force it into some bad decisions. They force you into having some bad eyes and all of a sudden you make mistakes. And so they are maximizing things. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, done a phenomenal job now. Oh, miss. I, um, I'll give you my thoughts on, First of all, you just – you can't the, – the first key to winning football games is you can't lose them. You can't do things that that's going to undermine your chances of winning a game. Yeah. You just, you just can't – you know, so common sense is, all right, well, they turned all the ball – well, of course they, they did. That's why you weren't real effective on offense. And, you know, yeah, some of that is good play on defense. Some of that's mistakes and – Red zone ineffectiveness, but why? What are the issues? The things I saw in making notes and watching the game live, and then going back on tape was there was a lot more hesitation, a lot less sharpness, a lot less tempo, a lot less. It it was almost like they left their spirit. Um our energy in Oxford a week ago, and I get it. It was a big game, big bad Alabama, but it was like, uh, and I don't know if it's as simple as you start to think you're pretty good. Well, look, remember remind you, you know, if you, what makes you good is all the little things you do to yes. have success. When you suddenly think, oh, we got it now. And, and I'm not saying that's what, I don't know. You know what? I'm just say- saying that that is, you've got to focus on the details. Yeah. What makes you good, Neil? You have a good show, it's preparation, a good article, a good. If you cease doing it, well, we're going to be good. We're, the, the articles don't write themselves, right? No. You know what I mean? You just, you yeah. got to do it every day, you so know? Me, and they me, did, They just didn't so have let me, it.
0: Let me take a whack at it because I, I think I I, I kind of know what happened a little bit. So you got to remember, going into this game, Ole Miss's defense had not stopped anyone. No. Uh, Florida had lit them up. Kentucky had lit them up. Alabama had humiliated them. And so here you have Matt Corral and Ole Miss going into Fayetteville. And I don't believe, and you know how this is, no one will ever say these things publicly. But these are are human beings, right? Yeah. No one will ever admit it. But I don't think for a minute that – the Ole Miss offense completely trusted the defense to get stops. So Ole Miss's first possession ends with the fumble at the one-yard line on a fourth and goal. They tried a one of those jet plays kind of thing, and and it the timing was off. Ball gets fumbled. Arkansas recovers. And then after that, uh, Arkansas built a lead. They had the 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 punt that got blocked. I mean, not blocked. The the punt that uh, there was a roughing the punter that. Kept an Arkansas possession alive. Arkansas drove down the field and scored. And I think starting right there, Corral and Ole Miss, but especially Corral, I think he tried to force things to happen because he thought, "I we've got to get this." They, they there was no there was no ability in his mind, I think, to to go, "Hey, you know, it's not here." Because what Odom did was they dropped eight. They played zones. They dropped eight. They said, you are not going to beat us in the middle of the field. You're not going to beat us over the top. You're not going to get those plays. We're not going to get sucked in. And then Ole Miss couldn't establish the run. And so instead of patiently attacking, check off, throw it to the back. You know, and maybe it means on third and six, you don't get the six and you punt. Instead, what they did was he started trying to force throws. Well, when you force throws, you know what happens.
1: Well, particularly against, you know, that a design to defend you that way and prevent you know, you're throwing right into the teeth of coverage and in against zone, you're you're throwing right into defenders' eyes as opposed to in man coverage. And I, I do think that they played a lot more man, and that that is definitely the way that you want to play. This Ole Miss offense, man, or you about. still you, you still want to play zone? Yeah, I mean, you want to play zone because you know in man, you get guys misaligned because you're obviously turning and your eyes are not in the quarterback. But in zone, your your eyes are on the quarterback. And and look, I do think there is a lot to the fact that Ole Miss knows they're going to have to outscore people. Now that explains why you know once I, I could sense the frustration early. I mean right. to me the game when it was frustrating when they got frustrated then I did see the press. But 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 from the beginning I saw no tempo. I saw no ability to say, all right, look, we're gonna now again with Kentucky um Kentucky, what what Arkansas said was we're not gonna worry about trying to make a lot of a you know personnel adjustments We're going to sit there and play in zone, but you still have to be able to to defend the run and be really sound with your run fits because you still could run the football effectively. And and Ole Miss was not able to do it. I'm surprised that they weren't as good with their tempo. And because once you do that, you kind of get them out of it a little bit because then you start to gash them. And then all of a sudden that defensive front gets worn down a little bit. But I I do think Ole Miss knows. (laughs) They got to outscore, you know, people. I mean, they do. I think anybody they play, they've got to outscore. And I do think that's the, the threat that they could press in a lot of games. Cause if you don't score every time, you could see that when it's you got to kick a field goal, it's like that is like you just lost your dog in ill mess. I mean, it's just that's it.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Kiffin, I think had they trusted their defense more, and I think at the end of the day, maybe that's the one thing for Ole Miss that might come out of that game is that they might start trusting their defense a little more. They played a little bit more sound, or they played a lot more sound on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I know Arkansas had 33 points, but 14 of those came off pick sixes. So, you know, Ole Miss held them defensively, held Arkansas to 19 points. So there's something to be built on. But I think going into that game, the offense didn't trust the defense. And I think if we're honest, Lane Kiffin didn't trust that defense. And so he there was a couple of times third quarter where it probably would have made some sense to get three points, kick a field goal. Instead they went for it, stuff like that. They didn't convert on fourth down this week. And so they have a they have a really interesting game coming up in a week against Auburn. And Auburn went to South Carolina. Mm-mm. And I know Auburn had a chance late, but I watched a lot of this game, and it always felt like South, Car- South Carolina was in control. South Carolina beats uh, Auburn was the final thirty to twenty two, I believe. Uh, yeah, thirty to twenty two, uh, a big win for Will Muschamp. You could tell that he knew it was a big win. It's a big loss for Gus Malzahn. That is a fan base right now that does not believe in its coach. Uh, Bo Nix was frustrated. Seth Williams was frustrated. There's a lot of finger pointing at Chad Morris. And, uh, defensively for all the accolades that Kevin Steele deserves and gets, that is not an elite defense right now either. It's a, it's a, it's a, there's some talent on that group, but Auburn right now is a very average team. Chris
1: on the frustration meter. Auburn's got it one and I know they're frustrated in Knoxville this week. I don't think they care in Nashville, um, I mean, they're, they're frustrated in Georgia because they can't when they, but but it's, they're frustrated at LSU, the way the season started. Eh, they're frustrated in Starkville, but it's the first year and they still probably believe that the head coach can get it. It, it. Auburn is, Gus has been there a while. They've seen it for a while. They've heard it for a while about how it's going to be different. And it's just, it. they don't have the answers. They don't have the defense that can build, that can bail them out. Their defense is really struggling. They lost a lot of talent. They are not a great defensive team. They can't, you know, they run the football well in stretches, but they don't have a a running game they can rely upon. The offensive line is really poor and is playing very poor. And they have no real offensive identity. I mean, they're trying to go out and they're trying to throw it and throw it and throw it and do. They're just not a very good team right now. And I don't know that it's going to get better anytime soon. And I I think that is, you're starting to get that negativity Mm -hmm. feeling of, um, you know, you saw it on the sidelines, but then you're, you're hearing it and sensing it. And, And Gus has been on the hot seat, you know, forever. I mean, since he arrived there, but there's a whole lot of money. and they they better start figuring out, you know, if they're going to want to do something, they're going to have to pay a whole lot of it, you know, but it's just, it's, um, it's, it's just really looking bad. And that was a performance. You're right. It was never really to me in doubt. It was just whether South Carolina was going to blow it or not. Um, and it was good win for will. Um, but it's, it's, it's really more fool's goal because this Auburn team just doesn't have any real identity right now and they're, they're struggling big time.
0: All right. We're going to talk about quickly because we're already kind of up against the clock. We'll talk about the games coming up and then we'll get into them in depth on Thursday. We'll just highlight them here in a moment, but first let me tell you this podcast made possible by the people at Jupiter security systems based in Madison, Mississippi, Jupiter security systems provides your business with the help desk, allowing you to get software at a much cheaper price than you would pay going directly to Microsoft or the other different cybersecurity services. They offer businesses the full Microsoft 365 suite, email, spam protection, and they monitor workstations and servers. No, they don't see your data, but they'll know if malicious applications get installed on your computers. They can set up remote monitoring on a computer regardless of the location. So don't spend money on getting your employees new laptops to work remotely. Instead, let Jupiter monitor their home computers and protect your data wherever you choose to work. Jupiter Security Services, Jupiter Security Systems, I should say, offer cybersecurity and monitoring services. It's ADT for your computer systems and data. It's very affordable, flat price, no hidden add-ons. For more information, call Eric at 601-519-9583 or email info, that's I-N-F-O, at jupitersecurity.net. You can also visit jupitersecurity.net. We're also brought to you by Blue Sky, Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores. Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience from services to products. Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. A smile can say it all. Blue Sky wants to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience. They'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any of their 48-store locations across the Southeast. All right, Chris, we got uh, just four games on the slate. Hopefully all four get in this week. Mm Yeah, You got Auburn at Ole Miss. That's at 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. You've got Alabama at Tennessee. It's 2.30 on CBS. Kentucky's at Missouri, 3 p.m. on the SEC Network. And then the nightcap, if you will, South Carolina at LSU. That's a 6 o'clock game on ESPN. So the two of those that jump out to me, frankly, Chris, are the first one and the last one. Huge game for uh, Gus Malzahn and Auburn. They, if they lose to Ole Miss, man, it's going to get caustic on the planes. Simple as that. And then uh, there's a lot of question marks about LSU right now. You're down there. I don't know whether Miles Brennan's going to play. It's been a couple of weeks since – LSU played that uh, stinker in Columbia, Missouri, and you've got a South Carolina team that now comes in with a little confidence on a little bit of a roll coming off the big win over Auburn. I know it was a, the, the story is, is Auburn losing, but I can promise you inside that building in Columbia, South Carolina, there's a, a better mood right now. There's some confidence. There's a surge. So those two games, to me, real interesting. Old, Ole Miss entertaining Auburn, LSU entertaining South Carolina.
1: Yeah, I think the the Auburn watch is going to be interesting the most rest of the way, because you know we know kind of where that the the crossroads of the program and uh, you're right Uh, going to Ole Miss and losing that game is just not going to go over well, and it's very losable. I mean Ole Miss, um, I expect will play better and be sharper on offense, and I think you can move the football and score on Auburn and. Oh, man. Uh, make Auburn play from behind. I think we saw that formula last week and turning the football over. I and mean, we talked about Jared Garantano. I, Bo Nix didn't get out any better last week. It was bad. Um, so that's that's a real danger game.
0: What's happening with him, with Nix?
1: Well, I think a lot of the things that's going on is that you play from behind, the protection's poor. You talk about, you know, I. I nearly, I'm not quite sure what they're trying to do. I mean, it's, you know, it's the, the philosophy is close as Gus and Chad are. The philosophy is quite a bit different and they'd like to run temple, but the past game, it's like they have no, they're, they're become like a pass oriented team. That's not very good at it. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. And so it's like the rock concepts, the mesh points are just, there are, that's why there's the frustration you're supposed to be here. I'm t- you know, and that's that sideline stuff. And, you know, I, you know, again, I don't know what they're teaching. And, you know, it's, it's, hard to say. I know that the product looks really sloppy Yeah, and they have nothing to hang their hat on an offense because they want to be a passing team with Bo and it's not working. It's they're not doing a good job coaching it and they're, doing an awful job of protecting it and they've got no answers really consistently in the run game and when you get behind you got to abandon that a little bit and then oh by the way the defense can't give you field position or give you things that you need to to be successful so look I don't know it's it's tough and um you know you would think that this offense would have a chance to get a little confidence this week against Ole Miss's defense that that's what you got to be hoping for if you're Gus and, and Chad this
0: week. If you're Ole Miss, what do you do this week with Corral? Or do, you, do, you, do you try to simplify it a little bit, just kind of get him moving again, get him out of that, let him kind of build some momentum, or, or do you say, hey, this is our offense, let's run it?
1: No, look, I, to me, again, I, I, I think what you got to do is go out and execute. And To me, I'd like to see a little bit more tempo. That's what they do well run a little tempo. I get it. If you can slow down the tempo, it'll help your defense a little bit, but you've got to be able to score points. I think to me what I'd want to be able to do is I'd want to run some tempo early. I'd want to begin to wear down Auburn's front, and I'd want to get some points and make Auburn play from behind. You do that, your chances go through the roof at winning this game. I think you get a lead on Auburn you got a great chance because I think that they're they're ready to kind of, they will panic. They will make mistakes playing from behind. So I, to me, I'm going to go back to what I said from the very beginning before the frustration set in, I didn't see the temple. I didn't see the sharpness. I, I, you know, for two weeks in a row, I'm going to maybe put some of it on a little bit of the, you know resting on their laurels i think they've been humbled this week and we'll see if they can get it done
0: all right lsu uh, south carolina feels like a kind of a a big opportunity for will muschamp and the gamecocks obviously i mean boy if they could get to 3 and 2 after the way they started you'd have to think they'd feel really good about about things and then for lsu i think there's a lot of a self included i'm turning that game on with a lot of curiosity about what lsu will look like how much have they fixed some things over the last two weeks? Does Miles Brennan play? If he doesn't play, what do the other quarterbacks look like? There's a lot there.
1: Yeah, look, um, you know, for South Carolina, if they can pull this Auburn LSU, that sounds really good. It may not be as good as it sounds, but that's enough to to keep the Wolves at bay and yeah. to in a COVID year say, you know what? You know, it it it's They'll postpone the inevitable probably for another year. If if it this
0: reality, Chris, huh? If perception is reality, and if it's perceived, yeah. if it's perceived up there that hey, this we're, we're okay, then the reality is you're okay. And the truth is, I and 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 I, I don't mean derail you. We only have a few minutes left, boy. This all this talk about firing coaches right now, we haven't talked about COVID and all that stuff. But if you talk to people around the league, they'll tell you, man, I'm not sure we can fill up stadiums next year. We don't know what's going to happen. That uncertainty is going to make firing a coach, especially a coach with a big contract, a very difficult thing to do unless a booster walks in. Yeah,
1: well, that's it. That's where it's coming from if it comes. You right. want the guy hired, pony up the money. Otherwise, shut the bleep up. That's what you tell your big booster at Auburn. You know, hey, come up with the money. Yeah, I got you. Come up with the money. Uh, but no, South, LSU's is in a situation where if this offense, this South Carolina offense, move the football um, you know on it and there's real problems they've had some time to fix some things and heal up not having to you know play Florida and probably get beat handily so LSU is kind of in a get well game and I'm curious to see how they respond in this one
0: all right last couple of minutes just touch them if you will about a minute each at the most probably um, Alabama at Tennessee obviously that's a mismatch it's a 20 point line right now. And then Kentucky coming off the the couple of really nice performances, Mississippi State and then Tennessee. They go to Missouri to play a Missouri team that also got a week off uh, after some of the COVID issues, their game against Vanderbilt pushed back into December. Missouri's had a couple of weeks of feeling pretty good about itself getting ready for, for the Wildcats.
1: Yeah, you know, Missouri's playing with some confidence offensively, pretty good uh, team and got a young quarterback that they like and. I mean, let's remind folks they they moved the football on LSU's defense with their top two receivers out. Uh Kentucky's playing well. I, I think they've kind of got back on track to what they are and their identity. Um it's going to be fun. Um, not much about Alabama-Tennessee. The the Alabama defense will continue to look a little bit better. I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to do much, not much in the passing game. And Alabama is going to score, score at will. Um, and it's going to be very, very difficult and get uglier in Knoxville as the everyone's expecting the loss. But, you know, it's going to show again, boy, we're not even even on the same stratosphere as uh alabama i think tennessee will will play with a little bit more fight this week i just don't think that it's going to be noticed in the final score
0: all right we didn't even get to the nfl we were i was going to spend at least half an hour talking about the nfc north and who's in first place right now but <laughs> we we'll have to put that off till later in the week um yeah, the Bears five and okay. one. Five and one. They are. Their five, defense, and one. five and their one. Defense. Their defense is playing very, very well. It is. Their defense is playing well and and, and Foles has been a stabilizer for them at quarterback. They're not a Super Bowl contender, but it's it's a lot more fun to watch five and one than it is one and five. I'll tell you that. Amen. All right. Well, uh, that'll wrap it up for this episode of SEC football and beyond. Thanks,
1: for- Jeff, and everybody that participated in the uh, chat
0: room. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for everybody being yep. there. We will we'll come back this week. It'll be on Thursday at 9 a.m. because uh, Chris has some stuff going on on Friday. We'll be with you on Thursday. We'll preview the games. We'll talk a little Big Ten. We'll we uh, we'll talk some NFL, and uh, we look forward to joining you then. For Chris Landry, I'm Neil McCready. Until Thursday, take care.